What's up, Video Landers? I'm Brad. And I'm Marshall. Welcome to the Better Late Than Never edition, episode number 240, where finally get a talk about mother. With an exclamation point. Mother! That's important. It is important. <laughs> Quick reminder, you can find us on adventuresinvideoland.com or on our Facebook at Adventures in Video Land. We are critics with attitude. We are uncensored. We say what's on our mind. We are free from the shackles of... Um, Locker rooms. We are free. <laughs> Help lock, me out here, lock, lock Shackles of censorship. FCC. How censorship. About that? We can say whatever. We will we not want. be censored. No. Also, spoiler alert: we will be talking everything. Mother. You, you can't talk about this movie without spoiling. You can't anything about no. it. So, if you haven't watched the movie and you don't want it ruined, pause the episode and come back later. Mother is a psychological horror film. Can we put that label on it? What genre is mother? I mean, is it a thriller? Can we call it psychological it's, horror? Yeah, there's I think elements. You can. There's elements. There's elements of a lot of things. So. More thriller? A war yeah, movie? A war movie. <laughs> mother is written and directed by Darren Aronofsky, and it stars Jennifer Lawrence, Javier Bardem, Ed Harris, and Michelle Pfeiffer. The plot follows a young woman whose tranquil life with her husband at their country home is disrupted by the arrival of a mysterious couple. Marshall, mm-hmm. are you an Aronofsky fan? Let's start there. Um, well, as you know, I voted yes uh, to the wrestler for Pantheon. Yes, I, I, so did I. I did love the wrestler. His other stuff, um, I got to say, it. I'm not going to say no, but it's been. I've, I've had no interest in going back to any of them. Like I saw Pie when it came out in the theaters, and after that, I've had no interest. I saw Black Swan. Didn't care much for that. I saw Requiem. Not, didn't his movies are tough to like want to go back to and rewatch. So, you know, I think he's a talented filmmaker. But as far as am I a fan of his? Yeah, he's I guess a- I'm a fan of what he's doing. You know, film wise, but maybe his movies are hit or miss. With hit me. or miss. Yeah. yeah. Um, he's an obsession theme director. I think that's a yeah. pretty interesting theme to explore. I'm always fascinated when Darren Aronofsky has. Um, a new project, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, when this uh, when Mother was announced, I just knew that uh, you know the cast that he was directing it, and mm-hmm. right away it was my one of my most anticipated movies. Okay, so I'm I'm a, I'm a big Aronofsky fan. Um, I I voted yes for Wrestler as well for Pantheon. I think that's a perfect movie. I, I think Wrestler's fantastic. Um, Requiem for a Dream I think should be played in schools across the world, mm-hmm. except for maybe the end. We'll cut out the ass to ass. <laughs> okay, <laughs> but maybe the, even that has a maybe that has a place <laughs> a place <laughs> in education in education. Um, I love pie. It's been years since I've watched Pie, but I remember yeah. loving Pie. A Black Swan, I like. You know, uh, Noah wasn't a fan of Noah. Yeah, that was his last Noah. movie. And then Fountain, I think it's okay. Oh, yeah, I think, it's yeah okay. I think I guess I've seen all of his films except for Noah there, but they're all good. But yeah, like I said, I've never had much interest in revisiting them. Yeah, this one's a little different. I'd be I'd be curious. I think because you know how tight I am on Pantheon. Yeah, you know, um, I think I would potentially say there's two pantheons there maybe maybe requiem i'd have to watch maybe, it again yeah. it's been a while yeah it's been a while since i've watched it but definitely the wrestler i think that's yeah. probably his his best movie it's, and it's his it's the safest movie i think yeah i think anybody yeah. can sit down and enjoy the wrestler oh yeah not so much for some of his other films that one doesn't challenge you as much as a lot of the other ones no do. the one that challenges challenges you the most i think <laughs> is probably mother <laughs> i think yeah. it's probably his most controversial movie uh, pe- people are actually saying it's the most hated movie of the year. 
I heard Century. I heard somebody <laughs> say it's the, the worst century. movie of the century or something. <laughs> what do you think yeah. about that? Well, we're going to get into it. It's it's tough to just come up with a one-liner of what I think of if it's the most hated. I, I, it probably This year, yeah, I think it's definitely got the most amount of criticism. And I think I think people feel cheated. Yeah, and we'll, I think we'll get into that too when we talk about Scorsese. Yeah, and, let's and let's go ahead and stuff. open it with this. I think people feel cheated. It's not the movie that was advertised. Yeah. Right. It, yeah. I mean, but it, but but the problem is once once you delve into this movie, how do you advertise this movie? Yeah, I don't know how you advertise it, but I don't think yeah. you advertise it as a as a horror film. As like a home invasion. As a horror. home. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Even when they did the poster, um, I think the second poster they released was um, very reminiscent of Rosemary's Baby. Yeah. I mean, you put poster number two yeah. of Mother against Rosemary's Baby. I mean, it's you can't, even a, um, your average moviegoer, if they picked up Rosemary's Baby, they're like, oh, this is the poster for Mother, yeah. you know? Um, so, yeah, I can I can see why people are, um, I can see why they feel cheated. Yeah, yeah. Do you know anybody that actually went to go see this movie? Um, I've been trying to wrangle my brain thinking of somebody, and I... Everyone I talk to, no one's seen it. Yeah, not even your brother. My brother hasn't seen it. Did your wife it. go with you? No, I went by myself to see this one. Was it an uh, empty theater? Um, shit, no. You're like, oh, there shit. Might, there might have been <laughs> just a couple people, if I remember right there. I mean, it was. I went on like a Tuesday afternoon, so it wasn't yeah. big. But yeah, I, I think there was maybe just a handful of people. I don't recall anyone walking out. So I guess that's good. That's good for yeah. the handful of people that were there. But because um... I tell you what, man, based off of the trailer, when I got the first trailer mm-hmm. for Mother, I thought I was going to get that horror film. I thought yeah. I was going to get this generation shining. Yeah. Okay. I thought I was going to get Darinovsky doing a straight horror film. So I was completely pumped. I was not prepared for Mother. I was not expecting to get what Mother actually is. Yeah. I was expecting something completely different. Yeah. When I, I think, walked, when I walked out of the theater, I felt cheated, and I'm a Darren Aronofsky fan. Yeah. All right, I, I had people like uh, I think it was either Nathan Planiga or uh, Josh Collard. Um, they asked me, they're like, you know, what were you expecting? You know, this yeah. is a Darren Aronofsky film. But with that said, I think there's movies like Wrestler, and especially if you look at Black Swan. There's middle ground. Yeah. I think Black Swan hits on you know the ind- independent sensibilities of Darren Aronofsky, mm-hmm. but it's also um, for the most part, a mainstream film you can take anybody to go watch. Yeah. For the most part. But I think there's some middle ground there. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's any middle ground with Mother. This, yeah, out of all of his films, this is probably like the least palatable. This is one that, uh, I don't know, it's just, it's it's not at all what you're going to expect it to be. And So know it, that right now. You have to know that. <laughs> if you're waiting for there's... Mother on Demand or if you're going to be able to check it out in the theater, yeah. know that you're not getting what the trailer whatever it is, is advertising. Whatever it is you think it is. Yeah, whatever it is you think it is, unless you've spoiled it yourself or finished this podcast. Yeah. Uh, if you've just watched the trailer, that good luck, but that's that's not what you're going to get. Yeah. What kind of and movie I, were you expecting? Um, I, I remember I, I watched the trailer or just one of the trailers. Um, similar to you, just some sort of thriller and... Visually, it looked uh, intriguing, um, but you know, I like I said, I, I'm not his biggest fan, so I wasn't really expecting anything per se. Now, like, did, I, so when you went to finally go watch it, have, did you already hear that uh, it was a 
different than the trailer? I think, I, yeah, I think I had heard some brief things about kind of, you know, allegorical what it might be. or I, So I think going into it, yeah, I had a little bit more idea of what it was about. Okay. I, I honestly don't remember. <laughs> because I went, I think, on a Friday night. I read yeah. when, Actually, no, I think I went on a Thursday night. It was like the, the late show, you know. Yeah. Um, I think it was like 9 o'clock, you know, Thursday before, you know, it opens for the weekend. Yeah. And uh, I walked out, man, I, I tell you what, man, initial reaction, I didn't know what to think. I was kind of like, ah, it wasn't the movie I mm-hmm. wanted, but now that it's the movie that I received, do I like it? And yeah. I, I remember talking to my wife on the way home, because um, I, I missed a Did lot of the allegories. Yeah, yeah, I missed a lot of the, the biblical allegories that we're going to mm-hmm. talk about later. Um, but I definitely got some of the other ones, and mm-hmm. I, I was trying to put the pieces together. And I don't think it's a movie that you can get on that first viewing. No, no. Yeah, I wish I would have known that. But I think that's what we're talking about tonight. I think it's one of those movies. It, it definitely stuck with me. Yeah, and me as well. Like, I'm still trying to, like I said, I spent a couple hours last night reading reviews, prepping for this. And it's still one of those movies, like, I still don't know what it is. What was your what? initial reaction when you left that theater? Were you happy with what you got? Or was, was it was it your your average Darren Aronofsky for you? I think it was probably what I expected from him, I guess, as far as the type of movies he makes. But it, I wasn't like unsettled by it or anything. I was just even if I, like I said, if I had gone into it knowing a little bit, I still didn't expect still what prepared. happened. I still was not prepared <laughs> for what it became, especially when we talk about act. the third act. <laughs> it just becomes this whole other thing and. There's, even if you know, even after you listen to us talk about everything that's here, you're still not prepared for what you see. No. So you can't even explain. I, I was I was writing in my outline different ways to approach the third act when we get there mm-hmm. and how to talk about it, how to discuss yeah. it. And there's no way that you can paint a clear picture of what the third act really is. Yeah, and that's what uh, when we were talking about this the other day, I said uh, I was at work and we were playing this little trivia game online and a picture of Mother came up. It was like a bunch of Jennifer Lawrence movies. And like, mm-hmm. what movie is this? And it was Mother. And people are asking, oh, yeah, what's that about? What's... And they're like, I think it's a mother that has kids and she kills her kids. I'm like, no, <laughs> that's not what it's about. And that's they're like, funny. well, what is it about? I was like, demons, uh, vampires. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I don't know how to tell you yeah, what yeah. it's about. Even if I'm willing <laughs> to spoil it for you. I don't know how to tell you yeah, what it is. It was so funny. I remember because I, I stayed away from the spo- the spoilers, the mm-hmm. plot spoilers yeah. going in because I wanted to go in clean, right? And uh, I remember hearing some rumors. The la- I think it was on Wednesday night, right before the movie opened. I started hearing rumors that it was a vampire movie, yeah. and that you I think had I remember hearing about you had Ed too. Harris, right? And you have Michelle Pfeiffer. And in the trailer, mm-hmm. they get invited into the home, right? So. It was oh, a let gotcha. the right one in, like gotcha. this vampire. You're giving him, you know, a free will over the house. And I'm like, okay, hmm, okay, I, I can be cool with that. Yeah. Darren Aronofsky vampire, vampire movie. movie. I'm down. I with remember that. hearing you talking about that. Home yeah, invasion yeah. movie is what it yeah. looks like. I mean, there's all kinds of you know uh, possibilities. Mm-hmm. It's none of that. <laughs> out the window. <laughs> out the window. Nothing. But yeah, people are actually walking out of the theater. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh oh yeah. yeah. So I was talking to a friend of mine at work, and. Uh, he heard me say something about Mother to somebody else. And he goes, oh, my God. Are you, t- are you kidding me? He's like, I watched that movie. And he's your what you would consider an average moviegoer. Yeah. Okay? Goes for the escapism, the pure entertainment. Doesn't break movies down like we do. And he said if he was not with a group of friends, all right, he would have left. He would have walked out. At what point? 
I, I didn't get that far that's in the conversation. The, that's the part that always intrigues me when I hear about people. Like, at what point? Probably because if you've made act. it the third act, just stick around just for stick another around. 20 minutes or exactly. half an hour. Like, but he said if he wasn't with a group of friends, he would have uh, walked out. Literally, the worst movie he's ever seen. So that's, that's what's so interesting about this film. Like, it is one of the most uh, polarizing when it comes to crit- critiques of it. Yeah. People just absolutely despise it, or people are really intrigued by it and think it's almost a masterpiece yeah. artistically. So, A friend of mine that will remain unnamed posted on Facebook. Uh, she's... Oh. 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 She. She. Whew. He. Yeah. See, no. maybe I don't know. Maybe I don't know. All right. Do not, I repeat, do not for any reason ever see the movie Mother. It was the most ridiculous and disgusting movie ever. Words cannot describe how horrid it is. Please tell everyone. We didn't even have to pay. And I feel somewhat violated. No joke. It's beyond bad. At least it was free. The trailer was nothing like the actual movie. That person needs to be here while we discuss this because uh, that's that in, that intrigues me. Like I want to talk to that person about yeah. it. And be like, why did you despise it so much? What specifically? Yeah. Like it's easy to say, oh, this movie's horrible. Give me my money back. Worst piece of shit ever. Yeah. Well, why? And I got into a, a conversation with this person um, over the Facebook comments, yeah. and um, I didn't push too hard, but I was, you know, uh, offering some, you know, here's some allegories. Have you yeah. thought about it from this angle? Um, yeah. or are we just shooting it down? But uh, this person's thread blew up, and it was probably 30, 40 comments. And this isn't even on video land. This is just yeah. a personal thread, and it went, it just blew up, and everyone was on there saying, yeah, I almost walked out. Mm-hmm. Thank you for the warning. You know, it looked like a horror movie, whatever. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's funny to see people's reactions to this. Yeah. You know, I, like, I think it is. I think it might be the most hated movie because of that advertising. But I have some, you, tw- I have some Twitter reactions. Okay. Okay. Just I got to, some reviews here I can go over after. Okay, yeah. Uh, just to help our listeners better understand this hatred, I'll share some Twitter reactions. <laughs> you can share some reviews. Okay. Number one, my screen started with maybe 15 to 20 people in the audience. By the time the credits began to roll, there were five of us left. <laughs> Only myself and an older gentleman stayed throughout the credits. He refused to make eye contact with me. (laughs) (laughs) Number two, walked out in the middle of mother and felt the relief that comes with passing a stone. Would rather go to jail than finish it. Number three, just saw mother. Amazing film. I couldn't stop laughing at how many people walked out because of how how insane it gets in the third act. (laughs) Yeah. Number four, at the end of the movie, the woman next to me got up and was noticeably several months pregnant. She looked at her friend and said, Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> I, real quick, I remember reading something. And I don't know if that was part of it, but it was something about some review somewhere said something about if you're pregnant, do not go see this movie. <laughs> do not go see this movie. Uh, number five, worst movie I've ever seen. Actually saw a lady asking for her money back. Uh, number six, there were two middle-aged women, women sitting in front of me. When the film ended, one said to the other, I'm never going to see one of your stupid movies ever again. <laughs> That's something April tells me after yeah. every movie I take her to, sure. especially the indie, you know, the indie movies. <laughs> but um, again, people feel cheated. It's not the movie that's advertised. Yeah. And uh, most of these tweets were from average moviegoers. I mean, there's some positive tweets. There's some positive Facebook posts. But the negative mm-hmm. outweighs the positive. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, it's, 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 it's bad. So you have some reviews? Um, yeah, real quick. Um RogerEbert.com actually gave it a three and a half out of four. I don't know if they have multiple 
critics, yeah, you yeah. know, or this is the only guy that went saw it. <laughs> uh, uh, but he he liked it because it examined gender roles, male ego, artistic versus literal creation, and and then he acknowledged that the film was made to be divisive and un, unapologetic. Uh-huh. Um, so he really liked it. Then I found one from it's pluggedin.com. It's, it's from Focus on the Family, which is like okay. a highly religious organization. They give it a zero out of five. Wow. And I bet they love Noah's Ark. They might, yeah. I don't know what they thought of Noah. <laughs> Noah. Um, mainly it pertains to the last act, which most people, that's what they're That's not what Jesus is, is like at all. Exactly. <laughs> they said it was an absurd story. The third act was a damning perspective of God, scathing, contempt-filled take on Christianity. And they portrays God as an impotent narcissist who manipulates others but doesn't return love. And it was a rejection of organized religion. <laughs> sounds like Old Testament God, which is, <laughs> right. again, what we're going to get into a little bit with allegory. Like, wh- which God is he? Is he a God? Is he, like, what? what is he? Um, and then, this is a little bit longer, but if you'll bear with me. Collider had, a, I thought Collider actually had a really solid, well thought out review of it. And to get, this is, again, kind of wrapping it up at the third act. But he says, but then mankind screws it all up. We're going to get into spoilers here, yeah. so suck it up, people. But then mankind screws it all up again and snatches away the baby, kills it, and eats its flesh as they worship at an altar to the poet. They then assault the mother, ripping at her clothes and beating her senseless before she's finally able to escape, go down to the basement, smash open an oil drum, and set the entire place on fire. So even when, a, when presented with a savior and total innocent, mankind only kills, eats the flesh of the Messiah, i.e. like communion, Yeah. Uh, then proceeds to assault Mother Earth with God absent yet again, and Mother Earth finally uses oil, fossil fuels potentially, exactly, uh, to destroy herself along with humanity with God powerless to stop it. So basically, the Earth and humanity will die, and at best God will simply do everything all over again because he needs to create and desires love from his creations. The God represented here isn't the only view of a supreme being, but for Aronofsky it's how he views God as a figure who is frequently absent when needed, yet constantly feels the need both to create and to be loved despite the terrible behavior of mankind and the abuse they shower upon Mother Earth. And I was like, that was really well yeah, thought yeah, yeah. out. And that's somebody who watched that third act and tried to understand it instead of just visually being disgusted by it or yeah. whatnot. Like, you do, you, you can't, this isn't just a pop-in, hang-out-on-the-couch movie. No, not at like, all. Like, you have to be willing to engage with it and watch it critically. Otherwise, you're going to end up with, like, all those Twitter people that just walk out and they don't want any part of it. Exactly. But I think there's deeper things to it that are worth, like, exploring. There's nothing wrong with questioning things and exploring, uh, you know, deeper themes. Yeah, and I think some average moviegoers, um, they're not interested in that. You know, I yeah. think some of us cinephiles are, you yeah. know, and some of us cinephiles aren't, yeah. you know, some of them, exactly. uh, I, I have some, um, friends or people that I know have watched this and they think that it's just a Darren Aronofsky being pretentious, you know? Um, so there's, there's two sides of it for sure. Um, but the cherry on top Marshall is it received Uh-oh. an F grade cinema score from oh, yeah. exit polling. Okay, so which is pretty much uh, select cinemas across the USA. People coming out being like, "Fuck this movie." Yeah. All right. This sucks. Do you remember when that came out? Was that before it was fully released? Not for sure. Because that can tie into Scorsese if we want to get jumping. Yeah, that. let's talk to yeah, he talks talk about, about that. that. How that big F score became more of what people talked about. Yeah, it was I have like, a, oh, it got an F score, and yeah. then that could have seriously affected. 
you know. Yes, yeah, uh, I have the interest. I have the quote right here from Scorsese. He jumped into the conversation. Yeah, he defended Mother and slammed Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, um, he pretty much wrote a fucking essay. Um, <laughs> he said groups like Rotten Tomatoes have set a tone that is hostile to serious filmmakers. Uh, even the actual name Rotten Tomatoes is insulting, and as film. Uh, criticism written by passionately engaged people with actual knowledge of film history has gradually faded from the scene. It seems like there are more and more voices out there engaged in pure judgment, people who seem to take pleasure in seeing films and filmmakers rejected, dismissed, and in some cases ripped to shreds. Uh, he goes on to say that critics take joy in butchering movies. Mm-hmm. Um, he says, um, after I had a chance to see Mother, I was even more disturbed by this rush to judgment, and that's why I wanted to share my thoughts. People's People seem to be out for blood simply because the film couldn't be easily defined or interpreted or reduced to a two-word description. So you want to speak to this? I think, uh, yeah, I, I, I think, again, a lot of those bad and negative grades. I mean, we look at Collider. That's, yeah. a, that's a huge uh, movie source. Yeah. And they, they, they heap some praise upon yeah. it. Yeah. You know, but I think you, you, you can't expect your average moviegoers to go see this and come out with a glowing A, they don't watch movies like that. They're yeah. not film historians. Sure. You know, so I think that uh, we sh- you can't be upset at, at Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, and that's that's the difficult thing with his critique on it is I get a good majority of it, but yeah, Rotten Tomatoes, it, it is what it is, which is an aggregate of things, but then you do have to look into, you know, like if this... Uh, Will you look up Mother real quick? Family. What's it at right now on Rotten Tomatoes? I think it's fresh. Um, it's low it. on the fresh end, but I think it's at 68, which yeah. is fresh. But like the, the the focus on the family one, like they've got a certain slant that they yeah. view movie, a certain lens that they view movies through. So how, you know, critical are they really yeah. to films like this? Yeah. So that, you know, that, that can um, skew it. So let me get I mean, because this movie is definitely going to be divisive because of its content. You know, everyone's a yeah. critic. Everyone that comes on AV, everyone that shares in an episode, whether you think that you are or not, if you're here saying you like a movie, if you don't like a movie, mm-hmm. you know, you're um, you're an AV critic. You know, and uh, I just I I'm I'm a supporter of Rotten Tomatoes. You know, I think high percentage of the time they get it right. If I was to start breaking it down, Marshall, I threw mm-hmm. you two movies. Mm-hmm. I'm like, which one do you think is better? Yeah. Rotten Tomatoes. I think okay, especially because I know how you look at movies and, yeah. and what you look for. Most of the time, I bet you anything, out of those two movies, you would side with Rotten Tomatoes. Probably. I think it's a pretty good... I think Rotten Tomatoes is a pretty good setup. Yeah, I think it's a good starting point. I mean... It's a, it's it, a starting it should, point it for should, a conversation. Yeah, it shouldn't be someone's end-all, be-all no. for films. Like, if you personally are usually uh, a fan of Aronofsky's films, and you, just because it got a 42... Yeah doesn't mean you shouldn't see it, you know. It just means that maybe it wasn't for I think everybody. I he's pissed because people thought uh, Silence sucked. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> you I didn't think, care much for it, did you? No, I didn't even care for Silence. But, um, yeah. you know, when, with Rotten Tomatoes, I think it's also important to note that Rotten Tomatoes just isn't all these critics um, putting down a movie or praising a movie. You, you have two sides that mm-hmm. they showcase. They showcase the critic scores and they showcase the audience scores. And actually, here Rotten Tomatoes critics, it's a sixty-nine percent, which is which fresh, is not bad, which is fresh. And audience, honestly, is a forty-nine, which is so even too in bad. the audience, it's pretty split. Yeah, so it's not as bad as you know I thought it was going to be. I, I could see if Rotten Tomatoes only showed a critical view and not a user score. 
Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I think that's important to note. But um, I think that uh, you're it, it's okay for these people to come out and judge a movie so harshly. The um, And I'm talking about the general public. When the movie was misrepresented, and yeah. they went to go see something completely different, and they walk out and they're like, "Yeah, I'm pissed. I just gave yeah. you my money. That's false advertisement." Sure, you know. So for the most part, I think uh, Rotten Tomatoes gets it right. I mean, that's a, that's a whole um, another conversation. Yeah, you know, I think that we can have some time because I I think a lot of people bring down Rotten Tomatoes, and I don't think it's it's yeah. really their fault. And you know, yeah. if, if you look at the criteria of what you need to do to write. For Rotten Tomatoes to be a critic, mm-hmm. like we we've talked what this is episode number two hundred forty, we've talked two hundred and forty episodes, mm-hmm. hundreds of hours, two yeah. hours per episode, if not more. Sure. Okay, and I'm still not qualified. Yeah. To write a review. Yeah. For Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. So I think there's a lot of people that know their 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 cinema mm-hmm. or their their movie history or what they expect. They're at from least a movie. engaged in it, yeah. They're yeah. at least putting content out there. Yeah. So, but a movie like this is gonna be divisive. So I yeah. can understand if this was like you know I don't know um, name your movie, but it, this is this is this is a divisive movie. Yeah. Not so this actually isn't like that bad of a score. It's not. Seventy percent of critics liked it. That's pretty good, and half of the public liked it. Yeah. That's 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 pretty what, damn good. I would expect out of a film like Especially this. Especially for this movie. Yeah. Yeah. Did you I would read, expect it a lot. Did you read the Paramount um, statement from Paramount a Studio? A while back I did, yeah. Uh, it was pretty interesting. I wish they would have played this in front of the movies, um, especially here in the Midwest. Um, I remember going to um, see Tree of Life in the theater mm-hmm. in Indianapolis. And um, there was a guy that walked into the theater and he was like, hey, I just want to let everybody know that there's a, a section of this movie. It's 20 minutes long. And it's just music, you know, um, and uh, he's just kind of preparing you for what Tree of Life is, so you're not leaving and you're not walking out, or yeah. you think they, the, the reels changed, <laughs> okay? Sure. And uh, I think that uh, it would have been nice in the trailers or something, and again, I know the yeah. studio has an agenda, and it's, it's to make money, right? Yeah. And if they would have posted, you know, this is an artsy flick, yeah. you know, ha- they wouldn't have made a lot of the money they, they did from mainstream audiences, right? But uh, I do have to applaud um, this statement. Uh, they said this movie is very audacious and brave. Uh, you are talking about a director at the top of his game and an actress at the top of her game. They made a movie that was intended to be bold. Everyone wants original filmmaking and everyone celebrates Netflix when they tell a story no one else wants to tell. Um, this is our version. We don't want all movies to be safe and it's okay if some people don't like it. Mm-hmm. I think that sums it up you know, very nicely. I think yeah. that uh, it's important for filmmakers like Darren Aronofsky, even though it's not the movie I wanted. Yeah. At the end of the day, yeah. I think it's so important to be bold and to be brave because um, I, I don't know. It's hard. To, you, you never tell a... Uh, Josh told me this. Josh Collard, he went to go watch Mother. He loved it. Mm-hmm. He said something interesting to me. I don't know if I'll fall on this, but it's hard to say. He said that um, a true classic is never uh, known in its time. Yeah, and that's what Scorsese pointed out too. He's... Uh, what did he say? Um... Shit, what movies were they? But uh, Shining, Blade 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 Runner, Runner. like Shawshank, stuff like that. When it comes out, people are like, eh, or people hate it. Then you give it 10, 15 years, and people are like, start to really appreciate what it was and and how it was made. But I don't think we're going to get those generation classics if we stop being bold. So I'm so glad that Paramount financed this because um, with that baby scene that you brought up earlier... Darren Aronofsky took it to Fox first, which he's worked with numerous times, mm-hmm. and they wouldn't even greenlight it because of that that yeah. uh, mutilation or that. Yeah. Uh, um, which honestly, if we can say here, it's it's I guess grotesque, but it's brief, and it's once you get that deep into it, I think the allegory starts to be pretty evident. So it's not like 
it's not a weird, gross, eaten, devouring babies horror film. <laughs> like, yeah. I, they, like it's not. And especially when you break down the allegory, I don't. Yeah. I don't know if it needed to be in your face, but I yeah. understand why it was. Exactly. As well, exactly. you know, I've, I've seen more gruesome things in horror movies. Oh sure. Okay. Yeah. So it's like, um, but I, I get where they're going with this, and um, I, I just like this this statement that they brought out. I wish that somehow it would have been on posters, or there's not a, there's not a good way to do it, but ah, it's the worst marketing I've ever seen. It, it because the movie itself is just so tricky. Yeah. It's. Very tricky to market this movie. I gotta I say though, even their musical cues in the trailer, yeah. they were they were up to some fucking trickery. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, you gotta try to get people to see it. I mean, they knew what it Touché. was. They knew what it, the the final version was. So they were probably thinking to themselves as, as well, like, how do we get people to come see this shit? <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, so uh, what the what the hell, in your opinion? Is Darren Aronofsky trying to say with his movie Mother? I got, I got okay. some. Let me break it down real quick. Yeah. A, is it a biblical allegory? Mm-hmm. B, is it a meditation on the relationship between artist and muse? C, is it a cautionary tale against climate change? D, is it feminist propaganda? Or E, is it Darren Aronofsky and Rachel Wise's memoir? Um. A, B, C, and D. <laughs> With maybe... Maybe, maybe a, a little bit of, of D, e or maybe. <laughs> Honestly, I think what I've grown now, you know, looking over all this stuff again for this podcast and thinking about the movie, I think what I've grown to appreciate about it is, honestly, it can't be defined as any one. No. And so to be able to incorporate all those themes is pretty impressive. Um so especially this was written in five days yeah he makes me feel fucking lazy. <laughs> like he wrote this fever dream of a screenplay in five yeah. days i hope one day marshall yeah. i can get off my ass and write a screen i don't care if it's crazy as fucking doesn't make any sense and half the world doesn't like it yeah but yeah, that's what he was thinking. i want to, <laughs> i want to write a screenplay in five days god damn it yeah that's i read about that too and that's pretty impressive but then when you also take into account if he's incorporating all those things just to be able to have that idea of okay, how am I going to talk about all those things? How am I going to talk about the history of the world? Talk about uh, the book of Genesis, talk about climate change, talk about feminism, talk about artistic creation. How do I do that? And he was honestly, he was brilliant enough to say, let's just base it in a house, let's a house. make that that's our setting, and everything happens there. So it's really impressive when you break it down to that kind of level, I think. No, I agree with you. Um, Darren Aronofsky, um, is, I don't know, he's very complex, and I think I agree with you. It's above, it's all the above, you yeah. know, that he's going for. There's actually a, um, a quote that I have from Aronofsky. He says that uh, the movie was inspired by current events. He said it's a mad time to be alive, and the film should be drunk as a single dose in a shot class. Knock it back, mm-hmm. you know, and then... Um, Jennifer Lawrence said, Mother depicts the rape and torment of Mother Earth. Mm-hmm. She says, I represent Mother Earth. Harvey Harvey Bardem, whose character is a poet, represents a form of God, a creator. Mm-hmm. Michelle Pfeiffer is, a, uh, is an Eve. To Ed Harris is Adam. There's Cain and Abel. And the setting sometimes resembles the Garden of Eden, the fall of man, the apocalypse, mm-hmm. um, when this house descends into madness and disobedience. Um, but do you think there's any narrative here? Do you think anyone can sit down, your average moviegoer, a cinema, cinephile, you think they can sit down, is there any narrative you can hang on to? Or is it? Is there no literal, literal story? Is it just metaphor? 
I think it's just metaphor. So do I. I really think it is, which is another kind of impressive thing to make a movie that's just a metaphor. Yeah. Um, Within lies some of my issues, though, because yeah. I think, like, with a movie like 2001 Space Odyssey, that's not for everyone. Yeah. You know, but at least, not much, not much, but there is a thread that you can hang on to as a single narrative, mm-hmm. and then you can take some metaphors or you can overanalyze it, and there's um, very ambiguous endings, you know? There's some things that you can read into 2001, but then there is a space mission. Yeah. There, there's there's some things that you can hang on to. Um, there well, is you, a narrative structure. And you have you have uh, a, a tying, the, the, the obelisk or whatever, is kind of a tying object to each of those chapters. So you do have you something have that 9, runs 000, through. Yeah, you know, and David Bowman and, yeah. you know, the, the ship. And so there's, I think, I think there's things that you can, you can, you can hang on to, yeah. but here it is all metaphor and it's take it or leave it. I don't think there's any yeah. middle ground like with a black swan with this movie. Yeah, no. And then, then it becomes up to the viewer to decide what type of metaphor was most dominant for them. Was it the biblical metaphor? Was it the artist? Was it, you know, feminism? Was it climate change? What, which one stood out most to you, you know? Exactly. You can break this down to Hindu religion where uh, God created and destroyed the universe multiple times. Yeah. At, at the beginning of this movie, you have um, the burn-up house and then it's it's restoring itself. Mm-hmm. And then you have uh, uh, Jennifer Lawrence that who wakes up, you yeah. know. How many times has that happened previously? Yeah, exactly. You know, and then when she dies at the end, you know, there's that new... Um, the new mother. The, the new mother that yeah. comes into play. So how many times has this Hindu or this yeah. God, this? how many times it's, has this universe been remade yeah and it's not a perfect allegory because i was reading something else like uh she's not necessarily uh the virgin mary yeah if she also represents mother earth like because that's not how it works like god didn't impregnate earth to make jesus like so it's not a perfect metaphor um but i do like that conflicting relationship if you think about it between say a mother earth and a god yeah. Who would bring famine and disaster, you know? Yeah. But an Old Testament it, God and a mother nature. Yeah. That is conflicting. But I think what's interesting about this film is, like like I read briefly in that Collider review, like God's pretty absent. He brings in the humans and they're the ones that inflict war and famine and rape and all that shit. Like, uh-huh. and he just kind of, he's just wanting to be accepted. Yeah. So... And he just kind of allows it to happen, and then he wipes his hands of it and says, all right, well, fuck it, I'll start over and do Every it again. time, yeah, Every because time. if, as a god, he wants that relationship with humanity. Yeah. And so, because he, he loves the attention. Yeah. He, he, he's so inviting to the strangers or the visitors, you know, mm-hmm. the uh, the Adam and the Eve of this story, into this in the, to this earth, into this house. Yeah. Um, even Cain and Abel, um, he can't get enough attention from the sure. people who are, are coming in for the uh, the wake. Isn't the wake at yeah. the... Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, all the way to when you have the He loves messenger. the fact that he's the one that can be the, the uh, comforting influence exactly. during the wake. Yeah. yeah, so there's so much to take from this movie, um, especially the, uh, the the end of this movie, I, I think is so interesting. I don't see how anybody, and this is average moviegoers, I think there's something so amazing from a technical standpoint mm-hmm. from this house. And we'll, we'll get into that. I'm probably yeah. speeding up a little bit. Um, but for Darren Aronofsky to take these massive themes and condense them, like mm-hmm. you said, into a house, yeah, that is something I don't think I've ever seen before. Yeah. And as a as a someone who uh, reviews movies, you know, 
every week. It's so fresh and exciting to see something like that. And mm-hmm. I, I've kept on going back and back, you know, over it uh, the last couple of weeks since I've watched it. I've actually tried to go watch it again. Yeah. I couldn't find it in the theater. No, I don't think so. It's not on demand. I, it's kind of just disappeared for a while. Yeah. But uh, I have a, uh, I read a quote from a random... I found a quote from a random uh, forum. I think it's pretty interesting. He says, uh, although you will spend most of the two hours trying to figure out what it's all about, I advise you to ignore the reviews entirely and make up your own fantasy. Mm-hmm. He thinks it's a satire on the chaos the dysfunctional world has been you know, turned into by Donald Trump. Yeah. <laughs> okay? So, whatever there. But do you have any ideas or fantasies? What else do you think this movie could be about, in your opinion? Get, get crazy. Um, Is there anything else? Or are you pretty much stuck on the... Uh, biblical allegories and uh, and things like that. Because, I mean, I'm, it's there, definitely. Yeah, I I guess I'm pretty stuck on maybe, like, the top three. Like, the biblical allegory, uh, the influence, I guess, climate change, the influence of man with is man's effect on Earth. Um, and then, honestly, what stood out to me most for the first third, two-thirds of the movie was the i guess uh feminism aspect like you see this woman just be ignored berated uh insulted throughout the whole film um but that in, but until you get into the heavier themes which become visually yeah. evident that's the one that kind of stood out for me i just kept feeling sorry for her yeah so it's not until those other themes kind of become evident or 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 whatnot that those seem to take uh precedent but there's so just so many like it's just it's very challenging to pick one yeah because uh, mine kind of goes but, with that biblical allegory yeah go ahead well and i was gonna say i was reading it uh because i was trying to find out stuff for this third act and how it was filmed and whatnot so i was looking at the cinema cinematographer.com or cinematography.com and there are people in there that are like certain without a doubt that it's uh about the creative process, the artist, yeah, yeah, and, and, I can and see what that happens completely. to an artist, yeah, uh, art, the creation, and what happens to it when it puts when they put it out into the world. And they're like, nope, it's not anything to do with the damn Bible. This is what it is. Yeah, and there's other people that are certain it's about the Bible, and there's other people that are certain it's about climate change. Like <laughs> when I was looking up what's the meaning of mother, it's just a list. It's a diff- list of different things. You'll get one headline that says climate change, another one that says feminism, another one that says. Like, yeah, Art, I can completely artists, see it's, that. It's... Especially how Paramount said that you know Jennifer Lawrence and Darren Aronofsky are on top of their game, right? Yeah. And at the moment that Darren Aronofsky says that he has a new project, right, yeah. that he's working on, can you imagine how many people in the studio system want to be a part of that? They want to be next to him. Yeah. You know, they want to read that script, you know? Uh, so, yeah, I can completely see that. Actually, that was the first thing that I hung on to uh, when I left the theater was I thought it was all about the creative process. You know, until I started, you know, really thinking about it, hearing about some of the biblical allegories. I'm like, yeah, wow, it was right there in plain sight, kind of hiding. You yeah. know, it was in there. It was plain sight. It was hiding in hiding. plain sight. <laughs> it was hiding in plain you just sight. Flipped it. Yeah. <laughs> you flipped the on. But um, for the production designer, um, I read a quote. Uh, have a quote from him. He said that uh, the movie comes from uh, Darren's mind, but he really wanted people around him to interpret it and give their opinions about it. Is this really happening? Is this all a dream? It's almost going back to the uh, the orange elixir that Jennifer yes. Lawrence has in the movie. Yeah. Um, like that right there was completely designed for your interpretation. Yeah. So I guess there was nothing to that orange elixir, which is kind I've of, read one thing that some people seem to kind of. What, what are people saying about that? Uh, shit, do I have it in here? Because I think yeah. that was pretty. Like I was watching the movie, and I kept on like, are they going to answer this? Yeah. 
And, and they never do. It, which is interesting because he was designed for interpretation. Mm-hmm. But the whole time, I was like, when are you going to fucking explain to me what yeah. this elixir is? Yeah, kept waiting for it too. Um, I have here the yellow potion that she drinks. It's mainly when she's, what, she's like stressed and yeah. uh, unnerved. So there are some people that say it could be a reference to this short story called The Yellow Wallpaper. It's about a young woman driven slowly mad due to the submission insisted upon her by her husband. Um, which could make sense. Like, I mean, that's when she's feeling overwhelmed as she drinks that elixir and then she calms down. Okay. Is that what it is? Yeah. Well, fuck no. But now, <laughs> um, I think it's awesome that he designed that for our interpretation. Yeah. So now I can't wait to watch it again to see what kind of spin I personally put on it as a viewer. Yeah. Um, but I was thinking about that, that question, you know, like, what kind of fantasy or what? how do I see this movie? And I started yeah. thinking about it, and ever since I kind of started looking at it through this lens, I, lo- I love this idea. And I have this idea where this is, like, all on a spiritual plane. Mm-hmm. And so, like, these gods, God and Mother Earth, are fighting for our existence yeah. on a miniature scale. Like, in this snow globe, in this house. Yeah. You know, what is uh, going on in that house actually affects us as as uh, the... Uh, the world. Gotcha. So what is going on in there will be like this, the, the current chaos that we have now with North Korea mm-hmm. and, you know, um, earthquakes and hurricanes is all because of what's going on on a spiritual plane within that house. Gotcha. See, that's I, interesting too. Yeah, I think that's that's, that's almost like a, that's almost like an uh, like a, a Roman mythology where the gods are playing with yeah, exactly. mankind, and then that's yeah, your, yeah, yeah. So that's, I put like our, our current chaos is being staged on that spiritual plane. Yeah, see, it could be that too. Yeah, and I it's think so now I can't wait to watch it again from that viewpoint. Yeah. You know, we but should, I was, when it, whenever it comes out, we should sit down and watch it again because I'm really intrigued. After reading all this stuff, it's very. It is. I feel like I want to watch it again. Yeah. Yeah. But sometimes we look and search for explanations, but we forget to figure out figure out the movie, which is the fun yeah. in it. You know, we don't need all the answers. Well, and that's what I think Scorsese talks about a little bit or, or implies. It's like, and that's, but it's a give and take because movies like Transformers and shit like that that make a billion dollars suck, but they are what help finance movies like this yeah. that only return, you know, like $8 million this opening weekend, which, so it's a give and take, but, um, yeah, you got to have some films out there. Like he said, you know, people love the fact that Netflix has these original things and they're challenging and whatnot, but then, uh, a well-known acclaimed director comes out with one and people shit all over and say, I don't want this shit. I just want to go escape in the theater. Like, yeah. no, every once in a while you need something. That, that makes you think. and Yeah. I was so unsure about this movie when I walked out, but mm-hmm. the more that we talk about it, we've talked about it the last couple of weeks because we've been wanting to do mm-hmm. this episode, I cannot get this movie out of my head. It's, yeah. I don't know where it'll fall on my 10. I, I'm pretty confident it will fall in my top 10 of the year. I know mm-hmm. it will fall in my top 10. Um, I don't know if it'll be top 5, but it's the movie that's haunted me the most <laughs> of 2017. Yeah. Uh, but I would love to talk with someone who is not a cinef- you know, cinemaphile mm-hmm. or who uh, who's just an average moviegoer that enjoyed the movie. Yeah. I would like to know their spin on it. Mm-hmm. But that, that has no connection to Darren Aronofsky or what to expect or it's not even into art house films. I'd be very curious what they received yeah. from the movie. Someone who enjoyed it. Um it was funny too. I was thinking um you know how well it did, right? Mm-hmm. It is like the number one horror film of all time box office wise and I was thinking um it probably it owes all of its uh of its glory yeah. to Mother. 
Because yeah. people probably went to go see Mother and they were primed for a horror film and they didn't get it. And then here comes the clown movie. <laughs> and they're like, they're like, this is safe. Fucking A. <laughs> That's the movie we wanted. Like that, I know what I'm getting. So. <laughs> I know what I'm getting. Mm-hmm. But uh, did you notice throughout the whole movie, no one's name is mentioned in any way? Uh, I don't know if I like, noticed or not. Like Javier yeah, yeah. Bardem, Bob. You know, yeah, yeah. there's nothing like that. Even if you look at the, the credits, um, the cast and the credits don't even have names. Um, no. Jennifer Lawrence's mother. Now, check this out. I think this is pretty interesting. Jennifer Lawrence's mother, lowercase. Mm-hmm. All right. Javier Bardem is him. He's the only one that's uppercase out of mm-hmm. the entire cast in the credits. Um, Ed Harris is man. Michelle Pfeiffer is um, woman. Dom Hill Gleason, eldest son. Brian Gleason, youngest brother. Kristen yeah. Wiig, um, the messenger. Um and then you have Cupbearer, Zealot, Maiden. Mm. And I think that even fits right up next to those biblical allegories, yeah. you know, which is very interesting. But um, what did you think of the cast that Aronofsky assembled for, for Mother? Um, I thought overall it was, it was fine. Um, I don't know. I guess nothing really – none of the performances really jumped out to me as being extraordinary. Um I didn't. I'm you don't think this could be a Jennifer Lawrence um, best actress nod? I don't think so. Okay. I don't think so, and I don't know. I don't, if that, so I don't know if that's because of just the controversy of the movie or her performance. I she was, was amazing okay in the third act, but I mean, how much yeah. do you consider? Yeah. You know, I say third act for you know best actress nod. Yeah. Um, yeah, I thought she was fine in it. Um, I thought Javier Bardem was solid in it as well. I probably. Uh, Different from other people. I honestly didn't care that much for Michelle Pfeiffer. Oh, really? I don't know if it's the I way she played Michelle it. Pfeiffer. I don't know if it's the way she played it. I don't know. It could have just been the character. That's why i got to watch it again, because maybe it'll sit better with me. But I don't know. She just didn't sit well with me. Um, but everybody else was, was solid. Michelle Pfeiffer is funny. I was listening to a, uh, a video with Michelle Pfeiffer in an interview, and she was talking about how when she first read the script, surprise, right? But she mm-hmm. didn't understand it. Mm-hmm. But she was so pumped about the uh, character that she'd be playing. And yeah. she was completely committed to it because it, it just seemed like a fun role. Yeah. And I think she is, uh, lack of a better word, saucy in this. I think yeah. she brings it, I think, um, in, in this especially. I, I thought Michelle Pfeiffer was amazing. Well, I haven't seen her on this level in a long time. Well, that's true. She yeah, still got that true. game. It was a very intense performance. And what, you know, what's interesting is, again, if you tie it back to like a biblical allegory, she's Eve. She played a really... <laughs> interesting version of yeah. eve where um you know that like that, that crystal that he's got that ash crystal from the heart of yeah. the, the house or whatever which is the forbidden apple which is a forbidden thing she plays that to be like i'm fucking taking that like yeah. she, it's not it's not like a a, a juvenile curiosity oh what's that what's what's this yeah. interesting thing she's like fuck you guys yeah i'm going in, up there in your face it's very in your face so like i'm very just gonna blunt. do what i'm gonna do so it's a very interesting take on, like, I guess the innocence of Eve and humanity. Yeah. is Not for her. She's very in your face, and I, there, there's so much to talk about. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So much. I mean, she, I thought she was chewing the scenery. I loved her. Um, Ed Harris, I thought, was great in this yeah, as well. Um, and Javier Bardem, I thought he was phenomenal, man. There's something very scary about Javier Bardem in this movie, I think. The way that he talks and this... Uh, I don't know the, the presence that he has, which yeah. is, is really cool since he's playing God, yeah. you know, or a God-like, you know, being. And uh, I thought he was great. Um, Jennifer Lawrence, um, I thought she was okay, but third act, I think, is when she really turned it on. Because yeah. most of the movie, actually, you know what, it's funny that 
I, I was actually... I didn't care for her character at all because the entire movie, and you brought this up earlier, but this mm-hmm. is before I knew about any of the allegories or themes. The whole movie, she's like, please leave. Please leave. Yeah. Please leave. She's very passive. She's very passive. I'm like, just kick them the fuck out of your house. Stop yeah. saying, please leave. Enough is enough. Woman up. Yeah. But I think, you know, when we talk about the themes, um, I, yeah. they're, they're right there. And, and maybe, yeah, that's part of it. Maybe she feels helpless to really do anything. Yeah, um, yeah it's... <laughs> yeah, but how the man is, um, you know, the theme here, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? How she's uh, she is very passive. Yeah. Um, you said it earlier. Um, I'm drawing a blank. Well, it's very, like, patriarchal. Like, she wants to submit to him. Exactly. And do what he, she wants to please him. It's like, okay, I don't really want them here, but it makes him happy, so okay, we'll suffer through it. But then it, then it just grows to the point where she can't take it. You know, and then she does what she does at the end. So. Yeah, and, I mean, she supposedly uh, hyperventilated and cracked a rib yeah, in that third I act, that. which I can completely see that because in that third act, there's a lot of crazy shit zone. going on. It's a, yeah. It is a, it is literally a war zone. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but uh, they didn't have too much screen time. But Dom Hill Gleason and Brian Gleason, yeah, I thought were it great, um, just in their small uh, roles. Kristen Wiig, I thought was great, and I'm calling it now, dude. I got to plug some Star Wars. I always do. What? Uh, but uh, <laughs> Dom Hill Gleason. Is in Star Wars. He's mm-hmm. in, you know, um, Force Awakens, miniature role, right? But uh, Dom Hill Gleason's one of those upcoming actors. Yeah, I don't think that he's just an officer in Last Jedi. I think he's Uh-oh. too good. I think that he's going to be someone. But you know, everyone's focused on Ray, mm-hmm. right? In Last Jedi, um, Ray and Luke, and you know, is, is, who's uh, who's her parents? Sure. I think they're, I could be completely off on this, but I wouldn't be surprised if they switch something it's crazy something. on us where Dom Hill Gleason is actually Luke Skywalker's son. Someone that you're not even watching sure. from Force Awakens. Something like more powerful and there's better, bigger backstory to him. Bigger backstory yeah. to him. And hopefully they open I that. Because Dom Hill Gleason's a great actor. He's good. Yeah. Uh, but uh, he didn't have a whole lot to do. It's mostly mm-hmm. Javier Bardem, Jennifer Lawrence, Ed Harris, and Michelle Pfeiffer. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they play the uh, uh, the Cain and Abel. Yeah. There's actually a murder on Earth in this house, mm-hmm. you know, which is which is pretty interesting. And then when you get to these other people, the cupbearer, the zealot, and the maiden, uh, when there's that uh, wake going on within the yeah. house, did you notice what happens that makes everyone leave? Uh, oh yeah, I read about that. I didn't really pick up on it um, when I watched it the first time. Aronofsky. But then when I read about it, I think that's when the sink breaks or something, and there's a flood. There's a flood in the so house. That's Kind and of everyone the flood. Leaves. Everyone gets washed out of the house. Yeah, they kind of. That's when they kind of. I think reconcile. Yeah. Uh, go to bed together. Yeah, and I then think. he. Uh, that's when she becomes pregnant, and, and becomes he writes pregnant. the New Testament. <laughs> and, and they write the New Testament. And everybody comes back and takes over. Yeah, but what? Do you have anything you want to get into before we talk about this crazy fucking third act? I don't think so. No, I don't think there's much else in my notes there. So can you can you do a better job than me of describing this? Won't you no. try? The third act? The third act. The third act. Um, shit. <laughs> I know. The third act. I mean, it's war, we're, we're, riots, refugees, fire, blood, yeah. flooding. Death. It's death, human sacrifice, yeah. cannibalism. Yeah. All in the confines of a home. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's impressive. That it, is it's, so fucking impressive. It, uh... Y- you feel like you're in it. It gets so intense. Yeah, you feel like you're in it in the theater. Every um, room that Jennifer Lawrence goes into, which she walks into, gets crazier with yeah. every turn. Every room, it gets. I didn't even know where it was going. It literally goes to fucking hell. Well, and it and it accelerates at such a pace. Like once 
um, they really start showing up at the house, it just goes at a fever pace. It's just one thing, next thing you know, there's a ton of people there. Next thing you know, there's the zealots there. Next thing you know, people are fighting with each other. Next thing you know, there's sex, sects, like different sects, not yeah. sex. Yeah. Different sects. I think in that the house, probably going in on probably somewhere. Probably sex going on somewhere else, but there's, you know, warring factions, and it's just. And then tanks and fucking oh missiles, and you're like, "What the hell?" That was just the living room, and then it's yeah, it's just it's just kind of an amalgam of humanity, and f- from like, maybe if you're gonna break it down from the point of kind of organized religion to now, how that has transpired, you know, these these people follow him, they believe in what he says, but then they kind of take it to the extreme. Yeah, and I love they made a decision. Um, on the technical side of things that I am so happy about. Um, they had two sets. Okay, so this house mm-hmm. wasn't real. You know, it was a, it was two sets. Um, one was entire first floor and a staircase for daytime scenes. Mm-hmm. And then a, a full three-way or three-story version on a soundstage for night sequences. All right. And uh, when, they, when they decided to do turn the house into a war zone, um, the idea was to open up some walls, expand the house, make this octagon house larger and larger mm-hmm. to keep on expanding this war and the riots. And uh, I think Darren Aronofsky finally made the decision. It's like, no, 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 we've, we've had this, this movie, this, this, this entire story take place in this one house, this one location. Mm-hmm. So everything you see literally takes place in that house that we've been in the whole movie. There was mm-hmm. no expanding the house to try to get a little bit more of a war zone in. Yeah. And there, it gets so claustrophobic. It does. That um, I thought it was such a great idea not to make this house larger than what it was. Oh, yeah. yeah. Love that. Especially for the uh, shot selection. But you weren't a big fan of the cinematography, were you? Not some of the earlier stuff. I didn't care for a lot of the first act into the second act like close-ups um some of the handheld you know pov shots but you but you, did you like mother so. i'm not i'm sorry did you like the wrestler cinematography? i did i did but i did get there were there's some repeated okay. shots in the wrestler that annoyed me too the wrestler has a lot of uh tracking shots from the from behind the character yeah like long tracking shots and that's fine one or two but the wrestler had a few too many for me as well. And then it's kind of similar to this one. Uh, there were some shots that, I don't know, it just annoyed me. Because <laughs> uh, well, there's a lot of over-the-shoulder perspective. I think uh, most of this movie, if I'm remembering yeah. right, was all through pretty much the perspective of Jennifer Lawrence, wasn't it? I'm trying to remember. Uh, there's there's definitely some some specific scenes yeah. like that. Um, definitely but other I guess, POV shots. Yeah. I guess my issue was, it got so claustrophobic at the end. I don't know why they needed to be so claustrophobic at the beginning. I would have liked to have seen a few more kind of establishing shots within the house, um, seeing seeing them just the two of them move through the house. Yeah. And then as and then as the people, um, uh, what's the word? It's too late. Create anyway. hell. Create hell <laughs> uh, in the house. Then it gets more claustrophobic, and then you feel it a little bit more. I think. Uh huh. So. I think it's neat that, that they he continues to shoot on like sixteen millimeter. I think yeah. that's pretty neat. It gives this a is nice his look fourth or fifth film. I think most of his yeah. movies have been shot sixteen millimeter, yeah. which I yeah I'm all about that. And I was reading, um, oh, I'm going to draw a blank again, but his cinematographer shot. Um, I'll come back to me. I'll okay. think of it. He, he shot something else recently, um, like digital, and 
I agree with it. It, it looks kind of shitty. Really? Yeah. There was some so. questionable CG, I will say, like when they get to the exterior shots. Yeah. And they're showing the, um, you know, uh, there's some fire shots. I think they actually was reading an article where they had 30, 30 guys from Industrial Light and Magic yeah. <laughs> working on some shots for this oh, movie. Wow. So just a small team, yeah. you know, and for a small independent film. I don't even know what this movie cost or what the budget was. Yeah. Um, but I, you can imagine 30 guys from ILM yeah. is not cheap. No. But yeah. I, I thought, did you have any problems with some of how the exterior shots looked? Because I, I in my mind, I'm like, just go get an exterior farmhouse somewhere. Yeah. Because um, that was a beautiful location. Mm-hmm. Trees surrounding. It was almost a, a kind of a by itself, you know. Um, so I, I love that location, but I had to sacrifice a little bit for that CG. Nothing that I recall jumped out to me okay. as being, like, too much. Or, or, yeah, nothing jumped out that I said, oh, that looks kind of weird. Not that I can recall. I was, uh, again, I was reading from the um, a production designer, and he was talking about how he would go in one day, and there's people in trenches, and there's yeah. barbed wire in the house, and uh, you know, like two days later, three days later, they would come back, and he would do some other shot, mm-hmm. and he was working on something else, you know, designing some shots. He'd come back, and the house looked radically different yeah. because it, it changes and morphs so much. I think, how much runtime do you think there is on that that third act where it just goes crazy? Is it about twenty minutes? You think? It's, it's a good chunk of it. Um, yeah, probably from when it really kicks into high gear, when people sh- start showing up till the time that of the explosion, oh. I guess. Yeah, probably. Probably close to 15, 20 minutes. That's so well just, handled, just, though. Just, just nonstop. The, the transition the transition uh, visually is mm-hmm. so impressive. I walked... That wasn't the main thing. Even when I was uncertain about this movie... Mm-hmm. Because I was still stuck on getting this generation shining or this generation's yeah. Rosemary's Baby, <laughs> even though I was still stuck on that, I walked away with a high appreciation for that third act yeah. from a filmmaking standpoint. Um, I was so impressed with uh, what they achieved with that that house with those sets. Um, you want to talk about that baby scene? Because a lot of people <laughs> have some issues with it. Um, we can. I don't know. Like I said earlier, I, I didn't really once you are kind of in tune with what the allegory is. Um, then it makes sense, I think. Then I think it makes sense. And like I said, it wasn't anything overtly grotesque. It's jarring, um, because even if you have an idea of what's starting to transpire, in even, like, when I was watching it, I knew, okay, she had the baby. This is supposed to be kind of the Jesus uh-huh. moment. But I didn't think far enough in my head. <laughs> at some point, they're going to sacrifice this yeah, baby, the and then they're going to then they're going to devour him, like literally. Uh, yeah, that these worshippers so, would consume the flesh and the body yeah, of Christ. Yeah, I didn't think they were going to visually show that, which they do very briefly. It, it, and there's so much chaos going on. Honestly, like I didn't, I didn't see it very clearly, or. or, or uh, it didn't affect me that much because there's so much going on. You're yeah. just kind of like, you're like, shit's going on, on the left, on the right, and then you turn, and then she comes out of the crowd, and then there's just like a, a table with a carcass on it, and you, it's, it's almost implied that that's what happened, yeah. but they don't show them like eating the baby's legs and all that yeah, weird yeah. shit. Like it's nothing like that. And I love how it was handled leading up to that. So if you're if you're listening to this and you're still like, what the fuck <laughs> are they talking about? You probably are. Um, I think uh, I think it's so handled so well going into the third act. Uh, so when, when she has this baby, um, that inspires him to write. Correct? When she becomes pregnant. When she becomes pregnant, it yeah. inspires him to write. And he gets his word out there. And all of a sudden, this all, this is a farm. Think of your, your grandpa's farmhouse. Think of, mm-hmm. a, think of a farmhouse that you've been to, right? 
a few people show up mm-hmm. and they're here for his word, his poetry, you know, whatever, whatever mm-hmm. that is, yeah. the New Testament, whatever you want to call this, his art. Mm-hmm. People show up and then all of a sudden it's masses, droves, yeah. so it's many fanatics. people, yeah. fanatics. I mean, there's so many people. And then that's when this house slowly turns into that war zone. After that, she has the baby. This place is already... She escapes to the bedroom. This place is already pretty much the apocalypse. I mean, yeah. it is it is fucking... It is hell on earth mm-hmm. inside this house. Literally a war zone. And there's a perfect scene where she doesn't want to fall asleep because she has the baby in her hands. Mm-hmm. And, and she's already established she doesn't... He doesn't get to hold the baby. Yeah. He tries to and she's like, no, you're not fucking touching my baby. Yeah. And then Javier Bardem as God is mm-hmm. like the the worshippers, my worshippers. Yeah. You know, he doesn't say that, but he's like, these people want to see the baby. Yeah, a war zone in the house. Yeah, and she's like, no, you're not gonna, you're not gonna take this baby. She she can probably mm-hmm. picture what's gonna happen. And uh, these fanatics, and uh, she finally falls asleep after staying up for what, a day, two days. Seems it was like it was it seemed like a long time. Yeah. And then she wakes up, and the baby's not in her hands, mm. and the door's open. You know, mm. and he's calmed everyone down. And I, she, he, I don't think she hears anything at this point, does she? It, it, regardless, mm, yeah, she walks out, and they have her baby, and they're ripping it up, and they're eating this the flesh of the baby. Yeah. Well, it's crowd surfing. Oh, it's, the baby's yeah. crowd surfing out of her view. Now you make it sound stupid, Marshall. Because they're, they're 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 lifting the baby above their heads. They're they're yeah whatever they're doing to it, praising it. But then yeah, it gets out of her view, and then she comes out of the crowd, and it's gone. Yeah. Well, I think you see it. You think it's you, there's that scene where it's you like, see it neck snap. snap or something snaps. Yeah. Oh my it's, god! Yeah. And then they're just eating the flesh. Yeah. Oh my! And then Javier Bardem comes down as this as as God or yeah. as this creator starts putting ash. On their faces, yeah, in blood. It yeah. is so creepy, man. And visually, I think it is stunning. That's what's so. I don't know if we have time to get into the, this whole other issue. That's what's so creepy about him, especially if you tie it to like a godlike character. He's so forgiving, and he it's because yeah, they they just, they just murdered his baby, and he's like, well. You know, we have to forgive them. We have to forgive like, them. Fucking devoured your kid, man. Yeah. Like. Come on! It's so and he's his tone. Yeah, he's plays it so just menacing and disconnected yeah. from kind of the reality. And instead, you know, instead of what he's wanting from them, it's it's very bizarre yeah. scene. And very then tough. at the end here, you have uh, Jennifer Lawrence's character, mother. She destroys the entire house. She destroys. The house is earth, you know. I think so. In, yeah. in a sense, yeah. and she destroys it with fire. Yeah, you know, which you can get into um, a real world scenario of that. You can get into um, Revelation with that. You know, destroying with fire and brimstone. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's it's interesting too. That's an oil tanker, and that's the first I had read of making that connection to it being fossil fuels. Yeah, is that what destroys Earth? That's what she uses to destroy Earth. And there's so many layers to this film <laughs> because yeah, because then when I started thinking about that, I'm like, shit, that's kind of true. It's like if the Earth is gonna destroy itself or if we're gonna do that then that's one way to do it it's so bizarre yeah Yeah. now second star wars (laughs) second star wars reference reference do you think she looked like anakin sky uh, anakin skywalker at the end oh and she was all burnt up (laughs) i thought it (laughs) i don't look just like anakin when he's on the uh the uh the hills of mustafar i've I've kind of like blocked the 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 prequels prequels out of my head (laughs) but what it looked like to me it looked like a gone with the wind reference when he's carrying her like through the burned out Uh house or something Man, yeah. yeah that, so I guess that 
CG kind of looked a little janky to me. Yeah, some it, that that's what that's some of it I'm talking about there. And some there was one or two, but the one or two exterior shots where they show, but it's quick, yeah. so I can't bitch too much. It's quick shots, and then they get back into the interior. Yeah. Um, but something else that was interesting is that at the end here, he asked for one thing. Yeah. He asked for you know the last thing that she can give, which is her heart. Yeah. Which then you find out what he dropped, or Michelle uh, Pfeiffer's um, Eve dropped. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Earlier was the uh, the person or the mother previous. before previous mother's yeah. Um, heart. Yeah. Oh man, so so much. But it's so interesting so too because I read about that and like at first he, I think he asked her for it or he asked for something and she's like, I don't have anything else to give you. Yeah. Like I gave you everything I could give, and the only thing left was just to take her, you know, her essence, yeah. her heart. Yeah. And reuse it. Start it again. So I guess the question... So there's a sequel. So yeah. <laughs> sequel coming. Dude. <laughs> Mother 2. You didn't see my notes, dude. No. What I put? Wait, wait. Right? Right here. What did I ask you? Uh, do, you do you want, want a sequel? sequel? <laughs> I don't know what it would be. Mother 2. They just shoot the entire thing again, but with a different actress. Shot for shot. <laughs> and be like, here. It's the same thing. Same shit. So that because then is that, is, is that reincarnation? Is that... Is that how reincarnation, you know, yeah. is that tie into that religion, that, that belief system of reincarnation? Well, yeah. we're, how many, like you said, how many Well, it's interesting because I've, I've been calling or referring the house to earth. Mm-hmm. And in a way it is, I guess, because mother, she has that connection with the house. Like her heartbeat is in the oh, house. Oh, yeah. Like when she feels uh, the walls yeah, every, and yeah, Everything, her, her entire existence is in that house. Yeah. And uh, I think that house has become a part of her, you know? It's just so interesting. There's so many things that you can pull from this. Yeah, because if you think of it like he created her, um, basically, I guess. But then she's the one that creates the house. She's the one that takes care of the house. Which Um, is another biblical allegory, you know? So, of creation and creator. Yeah. That relationship between the two. Uh, So, uh, is there anything else you wanted to say before we knit this one up? Uh, Let me see. I don't I will say, so much. I will say, while you're looking through your notes there, yeah. I will say it is a movie that has grown on me since I watched it, and I cannot wait to watch this movie again. I think it's, uh, for, for cinephiles especially, I think it's hard to uh, to walk away from this movie and just say it sucks. Yeah, I don't, think that's, another I don't think that's fair. I don't think that's fair because yeah. there's so much that you can take from this movie. Uh, I think it's bold. Just for its boldness and its originality, I'm, it gets a three already. Just for that, yeah. Um, because you, I, th- I think if you're just going to say it sucked, maybe you te- suck. Maybe you suck because, like, <laughs> technically, it doesn't suck. Uh, the acting doesn't suck. No. So, like, what sucks about it? <laughs> just no. the fact that you were disturbed by it or didn't meet your expectations. I'm like, that's kind of pretty weak. That's what I think. No, I think so too. Um, Anything else you wanted to add? Uh, just real quick, I had this about the third act, uh, the Vulture review. I guess they had a couple of different reviewers because they say one of their reviewers said felt that it was all sound and fury and it signified nothing. But then the other person who wrote this says, but it could also be said that we were supposed to be seeing the ways in which humanity loses control over itself when it's given the freedom to do as it pleases. So seen through that lens, the crescendo, the third act, is necessary to jolt the viewer into understanding just how awful we really are and thus to incite us to improve ourselves. I think that's probably a good summation yeah, of, I of think what so that too. is. It's like, this is what we're capable of. <laughs> no. So, um, like as far as the score? all the Everything you read, all the above. All the above. <laughs> all it, the above. It is. It's, it is one of those movies that's like, it's just all the above. That's that's what it is. It's not one single thing. Yeah. And you know, real quick, I wanted to add on um, one more thing. And that's the score. 
The score mm-hmm. was so minimalist, I thought. Do you remember the score at all? I don't really remember it. I remember it being very, uh, if, if I remember right, it was very minimalist. There was hardly a score, which again, I think misrepresents when you're talking about the trailer. Because oh, yeah. the trailer was so spooky. Yeah, it's very you know? like, dun, 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 dun. Yeah, very yeah so again, I think, uh, I don't know if that was, um, they, maybe they, they uh, got the trailer out, they edited the trailer, put it together, and then they decided... Uh, to go with a different score because I think he worked with someone else, a different composer this time around as well. But um, yeah, that was something I thought was I liked. I liked the minimalist approach. Yeah, uh, I to, mean, to, nothing to jumped out to me. Oh, like the music sucked or no, no. inappropriate or something. Some movies yeah. are actually better with a lack of. Mm-hmm. You know, it builds some tension. Um, like you look at a thriller like No Country for Old Men. When was the last time? And that's that's something I always tell everybody. Go watch No, no Country for Old Men as a thriller. Mm-hmm. All right, that has no score. That's so fucking impressive. Because yeah. a thriller usually has a score, you know, something that yeah. puts you on the creates tension and puts you on the edge of your seat. But uh, No Country for Old Men is all through shots and character building, and there is no score. You know, it's wind yeah. and atmosphere, and tension, and, and, yeah. and that's what's yeah. building the tension. Kind of like the th- well, the thing has a, uh, a great Ennio Morricone. But it's score. got a very, it's got a pretty minimal. But it has a lot score. of atmosphere too. Yeah. But I think yeah. Mother, um, through shots and through the house and uh, what they're building through uh, characters and, and performance, mm-hmm. um, I think that builds the tension uh, more than the but the probably the music ever could for this for I this movie. So. Yeah. But all right, man. Uh, what do you score this? So you gave it a three. Uh, I'm gonna give it a three point five. Okay. So just off of being bold and original, I have to give it a three. Um, I'm gonna give yeah. it a three point five. Maybe room for four after a second viewing. And I'm pretty sure that's probably where it'll go. But right now, I'm still kind of butt hurt that I didn't get the best goddamn horror movie of all time. Yeah. Well, like you said, maybe you're asking a bit much out of Aronofsky if you knew yeah, <laughs> what maybe. his catalog is. Maybe someday he will, though. Uh, I guess I'm probably right there with you. I think I'd give it a three and a half with, on a second viewing, seeing it get up to a four. I don't think it'd go past a four. Um, but it's a solid film, and it's very, like you said, it, it, it either doesn't leave you or it takes a long time to leave you because uh, no. there's just so much to it, and it's so intense. Now, would you recommend this? To certain people. <laughs> yeah. to certain would people. you recommend it to your mother? No. Your brother? Yes. Your wife? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I would. Uh, I don't know what she'd think of it. Yeah. But I I would I would be curious to see her take on it. Yeah. There's other, yeah, there's, there's just certain people that you know, you're like, no, you're not going to like this. Yeah. And there's other people you're like, well, I'd like to see what you think of it. Yeah. So. I, I say, yeah, uh, if... If you like this review, <laughs> after we've explained it to you, this has helped it at all. If, if, if this has helped, check it out. Yeah, I, I stand with my three point five, uh, possibly yeah. a four. But uh, thank you for coming on, man. It's been a while. We've been talking about getting this done. Yeah. Things get hectic in the uh, in the studio, especially this time of year, man. When we got some big movies coming out: mm-hmm. Thor, Ragnarok, Blade Runner twenty forty nine. I think yeah. we talked about an hour and forty minutes about Blade Runner. Yeah. a few we weeks ago. Kept going. Yeah, so it's hard to to get Mother in there. You yeah. know, uh, but I'm so glad we did. So it's, uh, thanks for taking the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, where can Video Land find you? You can find me on the Facebook page, Marshall, uh, and on Instagram, Focus Jones. Right on. I hope everyone listening enjoyed tonight's episode. Reminder um, if you would like to donate to the studio remodel, go to the website and donate to the cause. If you can't donate the dollar bills, visit our website and listen to our adventures. Share our website and podcast. Your support is the only way that we can continue to grow and become like Harvey Bardem. Gods. Godlike. Gods <laughs> of the podcast. Um, you, you throwing anything in, Marsh? Uh, yeah, I got a little bit on me. I'm throwing 20 in. Um, that takes us to about 150, I think, right now. So we're doing good. 
Um, also, let us know how we can help you. Right, Marsh? Sure. If there's a way that we can contribute to helping them live out their dream, yeah. we should, right? Why not? Yeah. We should. We're helping so people. reach out. Um, you can find us on adventuresinvideoland.com. You can find us on Twitter. You can find us on Tumblr. You can find us all over the place. Uh, you've been listening to Criticism in its Finest Hour. So until next time, my good people, stay groovy. Stay connected. Stay I don't scared. Know. Stay scared. You guys stay... Stay horny, stay hard, <laughs> stay religious. Stay religious. Peace out. Peace out. Yeah.